0: Are thankful that you are holy and that you desire to have a relationship with us. Amazing that a holy God would love us to the point that you would send your son to die for our sins. I pray as we open up your holy word that you would continue to speak to us as we continue to worship. In the good name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Take your seat and find your Bible, and let's look at Luke chapter 19, the gospel of Luke chapter 19. We're going to read the uh, middle part of this chapter. I want to share a message with you today that I've titled, The Ministry of Minyas. And a couple of you have already asked, I'm not referring to the little Yellow things, not minions, okay? That's a, that's that's they do that at the other church on the side of town. Where we're talking about the ministry of minyas, which I think will make sense to us as we move through our text. We have spent the last few weeks walking through this idea, focusing on the word of how you and I are entrusted. Specifically, we've been thinking about how the gifts that are given to us from God are to be used for the glory of God. Now, I'll admit that I don't know that I'll ever be able to understand why God chooses to be gracious to me and why God chooses to be gracious to you. I know that part of that is just because that's the kind of God he is, that he is a God who loves to do good and to bless his children. But I also think maybe another reason for that, I don't think maybe I actually know it to be true from scripture, is that God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. I think about Abraham and how God made that big promise to Abraham all the way back in Genesis when he tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you and then you, Abraham, will turn around, and you will be a blessing to others. Jesus taught this idea in several places and throughout several parables like our text today. Let's jump in and see what the text says and the lessons we can learn from it. We're in Luke chapter 19. Let's begin in verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Right out of the gate, Luke tells us why Jesus taught this parable. Some of his disciples thought that they were going to Jerusalem so that Jesus could establish his kingdom and commence his reign. Jesus, however, knows something completely completely different. Jesus knows exactly what's waiting for him when he gets to Jerusalem, namely that he's going to be lied about, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be killed, he's going to offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus knows that after that takes place, he's going to be placed in a tomb, and after three days, Jesus knows that the Father is going to raise him from the dead. Jesus knows that after about 40 days past that, he's going to ascend back to heaven where he's been ever since that time. And Jesus knows that between the time he ascended to heaven and the time that he'll return to heaven, that his followers both then and now will have some responsibilities to do. That as we're marching to Zion, that there is still Things God has called us to do and this parable reflects that truth. This parable instructs the followers of Jesus then and now as to what Jesus wants us to do right now. Verse 12, Jesus said, therefore, a nobleman, that refers to represents Jesus in this parable, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, the servants represent us, the church, he gave them 10 minas, which was a unit of money, about three months' wages. The average um, median income in Santa Rosa County is 7000 dollars So if my math and calculator is right, that represents about $19,000. He gave them 10 minyas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Jesus left us, he left his disciples in a hostile world where they hate the rule of our master. Verse 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, when Jesus comes back one day, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your minya has made 10 minyas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. So notice how, before we move on in our text, notice how generous the master is in this parable. He's giving these minyas to his servants. His servants have no rights. (coughs) They have no real possessions. These are servants, and here you have their master giving them rule over cities as a result and as a reward for a few months of work. Here's what that'd be like. That'd be like me and you driving for Amazon, driving their trucks for about three months. And then after three months, we get to meet the CEO and he says, hey, you've done three months of good on-time delivery. He wouldn't say that most that I've dealt with, but hey, you've had a few months of on-time delivery. I'm going to make you the CEO junior. I'm going to make you in- charge of all the facilities at our headquarters. Something like that would never happen. But Jesus in this parable is showing us something. Not just how generous this master is, but how much wealth this master has. He distributed 10 minas, which in our money would be about $192,000. And he calls it a very little Now look, when you're in a place where you can call $192,000 very little, you're pretty wealthy. So this parable is teaching us that God makes incredible promises to those who follow him. But it's important to point out that that hearing well done, as Jesus points out in this parable, hearing well done is reserved for those who were faithful to what God has given them here. And so it continues in verse 18. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minya has made five minions. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your minya, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow." Why then did you not put the money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? This is a really odd response. The servant did nothing with his master's money. He put it in a handkerchief and stuck it in his sock drawer. And when he was called to give an account, he said, Well, master, you're kind of a jerk, and that's why I didn't really do anything with your money. Why would he say that? You got to stay awake, and and I'll talk about that in just a little bit, okay? And the master replied, look, you could have at least put it in a bank. You could have at least put it in a mutual fund to to draw some interest, but you did nothing. Verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the minya from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minyas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minyas. i tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Remember, this is a parable. Jesus is teaching us some truths. Those who steward God's gifts of grace will receive even more of it. Those who squander God's gifts of grace will will lose the ability to enjoy it. And Jesus in that last verse makes a reference to the final judgment. Well, you see how this master in this parable, hell, he he was very generous. He He was full of grace, but there was also a severity to him that at the end of it all, those who rejected him would find him to be an enemy on the last day. Now, what in the world does this parable about this measurement of money, minyas, have to do with us today? I'm glad you asked because I want to try to answer that question. And I want to try to answer it by mentioning just a few things. First is this, the meaning of the minyas. Okay, what do these minyas represent? We have no frame of reference. That's not a unit of currency that we have, and so it's difficult for us to understand. What do these minyas represent? Listen real close. Your minyas are whatever resources or gifts God has given to you to know him and to make him known. I want you to understand something this morning. It's not popular, but it's the truth, and sometimes the truth isn't popular. Everything that God has given to you, God desires to use it for you to know him and to make him known what is the purpose of our stuff? It's to know Jesus and to make him known. Your minyas is whatever resources or gifts God has given you for you to know him and to make him known. Now, when it comes to our individual resources, we generally talk about what our minyas are in a couple of ways. For for example, for some, it's it's, it's, it's time. I think this is a 90 minute timer and I'm tempted to turn it and just go till it goes out. Okay. No. Okay. No, amen. It's just a lot of omes. It's actually a 30 minute timer. That's why I'm not going to turn it over. But time, time is one of our resources. Think about it from this perspective. Time refers to the focus of your life. What are you doing with your days? What are you doing with your career? What are you doing with your retirement? What does your calendar say that you prioritize? What does your day say is valuable? For other people, it's treasure. And when we think about the menus that God has given to us, it's time and it's treasure. And don't worry, it's all fake. It's copy. You can't use it. I've already tried. <laughs> Just playing. I have But our treasure, what God gives to us, how does your money get spent? <clears throat> what does your bank account say about your priorities? Money talks what does yours say about you? Did we just start to meddle just a little bit? Some people refer and we think of these menus as our time and as our treasure, but some of us others will think of it as our talents. That's generally how we, we think through the resources God has given to us. How are you using your skills for the advancement of God's kingdom. How are you using your career to advance the kingdom of God? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? that God's given to you. You have one if you're a follower of Jesus. Are you using it? One day, watch what this parable's teaching us. One day, we're going to give an account for how we used our time. We're going to give an account for how we used the talents God has given us. We're going to have to give an account for how we spent the treasure that God chose to bless us. One day, we must give an account for how we used our minyas to help others know him. That's the meaning of the minyas. Secondly is this. Let's talk about the management of the minyas. We've identified what they are. Anything God gives to us, any gifts of his grace to, to help us know him and make him known. What about the management of those minions? This parable reveals to us <clears throat> that there is an expectation that we would multiply what God has entrusted to us. One of the guys did not multiply. He sat on it, and God had some hard, harsh words for him that we'll see in just a second. We are not watch this. we are not responsible for how much we receive. Okay, that's the master's decision. We're responsible to take the gifts God has given us and multiply it according to the abilities he has given to us. Did you notice that In our parable, the master gave the same commendation to the one who earned double ten to the one that earned five. He gave the same commendation to them. Our master knows, our master knows that we start at different places. Listen, God is not looking for success so much as he's looking for stewardship. I repeat that because you missed a good opportunity for an amen right there. God, God's not looking for your success nearly as much as He's looking for you to be a good steward of what He's already entrusted to you. I'm telling you, folks, we we I don't believe we fully grasp this that our failure to manage God's gifts well has serious consequences. Go back and look at that parable. Go back and look at that text. The word that Jesus used for the servant who failed to manage well, he used the word wicked. That's a strong word. So think about that for me with just a moment. What wicked thing had this servant done. He didn't embezzle the money. He didn't gamble it away. (laughs) He didn't spend it on drugs and drink. He returned 100% of what he had been given, yet Jesus calls him wicked. Why? Watch, the servant is called wicked, not because of something he did, but because of something he failed to do. Not because of something he did, but because of something he failed to do. You see, there is more than one way to be wicked in God's kingdom. You can be wicked through sins of commission, breaking the commandments of God, or you can be wicked through sins of omission, failing to invest your life and leverage the gifts and resources God has given to you for his kingdom. Have you been a good steward? Are you a good steward of what God has given to you for his kingdom? Are you managing well that which God has given Given to you. Are you ready right now to stand before God and give an account for how you've managed the minyas He's placed in your life? The meaning of the minyas, what God gives us to know Him, to make Him known, the management of those minyas, but three, it's important to understand the master of the minyas. Because you had this one servant in the parable who came back and who said, you know, I didn't do anything. I just put them on over my hanky and tossed them in there with my socks and brought it back to you. And that's the servant for which Jesus had these harsh words. What kept this one servant in this parable from managing well the resources the master had entrusted him. Well, according to verses 21 and 22, the servant simply didn't trust his master. I mean, the master was generous. He gave them those 10 minions. The master was full of grace and trust. But this servant didn't trust his master. I want you to recall the generosity, recall the wealth of the master in this parable, and then consider the true master who's telling this parable. Jesus, when he speaks this parable, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he is going to die for the sins of his rebellious rebellious servants. I want to ask you a question this morning. Has there ever been a master more gracious than Jesus? Has there ever been a master more generous than Jesus? Has there ever been a master who is more worthy of the entrustment of your life than Jesus? Absolutely not. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Following Jesus will always involve a risk because in order to follow Jesus you've got to take your hands off the wheel. In the words of great theologian Carrie Underwood, you got to let Jesus take the wheel. See, if you and I were to go somewhere, if we were to get my car and go somewhere, I would want us to get in my car, and I would want to be the one who drives. If you and I ever take a trip somewhere, if you ever come by and say, hey, Pastor, let me take you to the buffet, Test me in this, all right? <laughs> if you're ever to come and say, Pastor, let's go, let, 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 let's go pick up a chocolate cake that Kathy Tolbert made for me. <laughs> and if I were to get in the car with you and let you drive, that is a symbol of great trust. Now, here's why. It's not that I don't think you're a bad driver. It's just I know that I'm a fairly decent one. Watch me have a wreck today. You watch. You <laughs> watch. <laughs> because my daddy taught me to drive holding the wheel and watching the other idiots around me who don't know how to drive, okay? I like to have control. And for me to let go and let someone else have control, that's a sign of of, of, uh, we're pretty good friends and I trust you pretty well. I wish that my control issues were only limited To the steering wheel of my car. But if I'm gonna be honest with you this morning, following Jesus sometimes is scary to me because I know that in order to follow Jesus, I gotta let go of everything. And I've got to say, Lord, don't just Jesus, don't just take the wheel. You take every aspect of my life. Lord, you take my time, Lord, you take my wallet. Lord, you take my priority. Lord, you take my dreams. You take my goal. Lord, they are all submitted to you because I am not the master of my minions. Jesus is. And because he's the master, I give full control to him. You have to stop seeing your time and your treasure and your talent as assets by which you're going to build your kingdom. And instead, you have to see them as entrustments given to you by God to build his kingdom. And to get to that point, you have to really believe that Jesus is the master of your life and that he's worthy of the entrustment of your life to him because he's the master of the minyas. And here's four, and this is the last one. This is my non-Baptist seminary reflection that we have more than three points, okay? Fourth is simply this, the message of the minyas. And not just of the minyas. we've been talking for about four sermons about this idea of being entrusted. So if I were going to kind of wrap it all up I would use this parable to do that, which I am at this moment, and I make a couple of statements about how this parable and how this whole idea of being entrusted speaks into our lives, and to do that, I would say a couple of things. One is this, God has equipped us to do what he has called us to do. All that we need to minister in the name of our master, all that we need to accomplish the mission of our master is already in our hands. In this parable, the servants did not have to ask the master for resources. He already gave them all that they needed. What if everything we need to reach our community has already been given to us by our master? What if everything you need to be the person God has called you to be has already been given to you. You have possessions of your minions. What are you going to do with them? Because God has equipped us to do what he's called us to do. Not only that, I think we also need to leave here understanding this truth that we will give an account for how we've stewarded what God has entrusted to us. That idea of a steward is somewhat foreign to us. Think of it more maybe as uh, someone who might manage your possessions or manage your mutual fund, your portfolio, whatever. But that steward doesn't get to say what's done with the owner's resources. The steward's task is to manage what has been given to them. The relationship between the owner and the steward demands that the steward give an account. If that account was demanded today, would you be ashamed? Would you be ashamed to give an account for how you've managed the resources God has given to you? And I think we need to leave here also understanding this. God's desire is to multiply what he has entrusted to us. James, the apostle, tells us in his epistle that every good and every perfect gift is from above. (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that your car is a gift from God to you. That your bank account is a gift from God to you. That the clothes you wear are gifts from God to you. The roof that's over your head is a, a gift from God to you. The food that you take is a gift that you eat is a gift of God to you. Every step that you make, every breath that you take is from God. God owns it all, not 10%. He owns 100% of it. And if you think he doesn't, you try to usurp him this week and see if you can be God and not him. It won't happen. So a great question for us to ask this morning. God, what is your purpose in giving fill-in-the-blank to me, whatever your menus look like. God has entrusted your time, God has entrusted your talent, And God has entrusted your treasure. He has entrusted those things to you so that you can know him and make him known. Therefore, if God has given you salvation, multiply it by sharing the good news of the gospel with others. If God has given you money, multiply it by giving to God's church and the kingdom of God. If God has given you a career, multiply it by using it to to point others to Jesus. God has given you today 86,400 seconds. Use every one for his glory. So that when we find ourselves before Jesus, we will hear, well done. Do you realize something? This life is the only shot you have to manage your minions. That's it. This life is the only chance. Because in eternity, you can't multiply these resources. You can't invest these resources to bring other people to Jesus. Because in eternity, that's all that's there. Are people who know Jesus, you can only do that today, right now. So why not start today? You see, you can't go back and try to re-steward resources. But you can start today. And the greatest resource that's ever been available to us is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. Look, I'm telling you, if that's your house, if your house is full of minions, if you've got the biggest house in town, if you've got the biggest bank account in town, if you've got the nicest reputation in town, if you've got the most power in town, but you don't know Jesus, you don't have anything. Because the most valuable resource Jesus has for us is himself if there's never been a time in your life when you've confessed your sin and placed your faith in Jesus that is the minya he wants to give you today a relationship with him if you've got questions about what that means I'm going to be down here in this altar in just a few minutes as we sing our song during our time of commitment Say, Pastor, I want, to, I want to know more. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want this valuable resource of salvation to be mine. It costs Jesus everything, my friend. It won't cost you a thing. Other than your faith and belief in that Jesus has it and can give it to you. What about those of us who've already received that greatest gift? What are you doing with your life? Whether you think you have 10 decades left or a week, I don't know. Look, you know one thing I've learned this week is death. We've had three deaths in our church. Boom, boom, boom. Back by, uh, behind each uh, other day after day after day. I have learned that uh, or been reminded rather that this could be this, this, is, this could be my last day. This could be your last day. This is the only day we have to live for the glory of Jesus. And what if your commitment to live for his glory today would change the eternity for someone else who has yet to know him? Would you bow with me this morning? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. If God is moving upon your heart, if God's stirring in your heart, if you've got questions about salvation, if if you want to talk about baptism, if if you want to come to this altar and pray and ask God to help you be a better steward of the minions he's placed in your life, this time is open for you who need to make a commitment. I pray that all of us during this time of commitment would ask ourselves the question, what can I do with the rest of this day to know Jesus and to make him known? And I pray that we'll ask ourselves that question tomorrow and every morning for the rest of my life, whether it's one more day, a hundred or a million. Jesus, what can I do today with what you've given me to give you glory, to know you? And to make you known. Father, I'm thankful that you gave us the greatest gift of all, your Son, so that we could know you. Whatever you're placing upon our hearts to do today, may we simply say yes. In the good name of Jesus, I pray.